Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five, Welcome, everybody, to the In the Paint Show, episode 140. Another action-packed episode here with my co-hosts, Chelsea Hopkins and Ani Umana. Everybody's uh, moving around. We're in different places right now. So how, how are you doing, Chelsea? I'm doing good, Ronnie. Um, I just got to Tunisia uh, yesterday. So I'm very jet-lagged, but I'm still happy to be with you guys and ready to go. Ani, what's going on with you, man? Where are you at these days? Uh, none, man. Just moving in Atlanta right now, but just, you know, <laughs> I can't stay still. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm in uh, L.A. where I'm normally at. You know, I'm usually in L.A. or Vegas, but we're going to jump around topics, talk about a bit, a little bit of cool things, a little bit of serious things. And obviously we have a, a good guest who was at the Pangos Festival, the co-MVP. Uh, you know, he did very well. Jeremy Fears from the Midwest. So he, he'll be joining us a little later. But Chelsea, just tell us where where exactly are you at? Like what what part of the world is that? I don't even when so, you say that, I'm like, I don't know where that's yeah. at. <laughs> so Tunisia is actually a country in northern Africa. So Africa, some people get confused, is a continent. So it's very big and consists of a lot of countries. So I'm in Tunis, which Tunis, Tunisia, which is in northern Africa. Um, wow. so the interesting thing about uh, northern Africa, um, mm-hmm. although Africa is the motherland, you know, for sure. myself. Um, Northern Africa is he- heavily Arab and Muslims. Sure. They have a lot of Arab and Muslim communities out here. Um, the reason I'm here is to play in the Arab championship. Um, and there is a small body of water that separates Northern Africa and the Middle East. Okay. So this tournament that I'm in heavily consists of Middle Eastern teams, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt. And then if you cross the small body of water, there's Tunisia, Morocco, some of these African countries that are um, you know, kind of considered Middle Eastern because of their Arab presence. So that's why I'm here. 30 days, uh, Arab championship. I have like about two weeks of practice. And then towards the end of the month, we'll do a tournament. Um, it's about six games in 12 days. Uh, winner take all. That's it. Wow. They get to the bag. I yeah. She, 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 How it is, Ani. I need it. So. Uh, I know. She's working. I know you've been working on your game before you left. So that's great. Yeah. That, I was like, when you told me that, I said, where was she's at? So. Um, great. You know, this is, uh, been a lot of things that happened since we last been on, obviously, uh, with the WNBA's going playoffs, obviously Chelsea, the aces had, a uh, had their fan base coming out the last few games and they're in the semifinals. Correct. So tell us what's going on with, uh, the WNBA. Give us a little update. Yeah. So, uh, just as far as the W we're down to the final four teams, um, 
you know, in the semifinals of the playoffs, uh, the top four teams all advanced. So the Aces as the number one seed are playing the four seed in Seattle Storm. Uh, the two seed Chicago Sky is playing three seed Connecticut Sun. So interestingly enough, game one of both rounds has already taken place. It happened on um, Sunday and both road teams and lesser seeds actually won. So the Aces lost at home, I think, by three points to uh, Seattle Storm. And then the Connecticut Sun won on the road at Chicago uh, by four or five points as well. So the series is 0-1 for the higher seeds right now at the moment. Uh, game two is actually going to take place tomorrow. Um, and we'll see what happens. But um, it's been very competitive so far. I actually got to watch both games um, while I was on the plane or uh, the Aces game I was actually watching on my layover. Um, and then I caught a little bit of the Connecticut-Chicago uh, game while I was actually on the plane. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be a dogfight. I mean, everybody had the Aces, you know, kind of being the favorites. And, and I still think that they are, even though they dropped this first game. But, um, you know, Seattle has the experience. Uh, they're riding the wave of Sue Bird's final season. Sure. Um, so she actually was exceptional in the first game. Um, I was surprised. But, you know, uh, just her veteran leadership and, you know, she's kind of been there, done that before. Um, 12 assists, zero turnovers, uh, just really steady. Um, so Seattle just came out looking pretty good. And as far as Connecticut goes, they've, they've always had the pieces. They've always had um, kind of the players, but they just come up short in the semifinals. So I think they're kind of just out to prove that, you know, we're a force to be reckoned with. The last couple of years didn't go our way, uh, but we're here to kind of change that narrative. So um, it's going to be very interesting. I can see both series going at least four to five games. Um, but I still ultimately think the Aces will come out, and I think Chicago will too. So uh, wow. maybe I'll be wrong, but we'll see. Yeah, they, uh, they uh, you know, the Aces are having a great season. They seem like they have great fan support. And then you look at what's going on with the uh, with Chicago and, and Candace Parker being there, and it's like everybody's thinking. I just hear comments like, "Why? What? What were the Sparks thinking? What were the Sparks thinking?" That's all I like here. You know, like you know, you yeah, don't just her, get rid her of stat player. line was ridiculous Ronnie yeah. like 18 points 14 rebounds like yeah it, she's incredible it, it's hard to imagine letting a player like that walk but I mean you know things happen in the in the front office she was benched by Derek Fisher which he played yeah. for the Sparks which I think kind of just ended their relationship um but it's it's kind of nasty that Candace had that crazy stat line and, and they didn't win because it's right. like wow you know yeah no doubt and uh I saw, I saw the first half of the uh Seattle game and uh, yes, they used to play with a lot of energy. <laughs> they were making, it seemed like they couldn't even miss. And like, uh, Aces were like, whoa, like, <laughs> you know, just trying to like kill some of the, the run, the energy. But Seattle really came out strong. I was like, oh, yeah. Because they had to play. Uh, actually, I was trying to watch some of it. And yeah, I, I was like, oh, wow. Like, w, like the playoff basketball, like they got real physical, but like Seattle was just coming at it hard. Yeah, um, super intense. And I think like like I, we talked a little bit about what WNBA before, like this is the time to watch. This is the highest yeah. level, you know, games that you're going to see. Um, in my personal opinion, Seattle has Brianna Stewart, who's the best player in the league. Yeah. Um, I do think that Asia Wilson will probably get league MVP this year uh, just because she was exceptional doing it on both ends. But when you have Brianna Stewart, you know, it really doesn't matter what seed you come in. You're going to have a chance because right. you have her. And, you know, Seattle just has the veteran. They've just been there. You know, Aces have not won a championship. Seattle, you know, has a couple. They have people that have been doing it and have all that experience. And I think that you just can't, you know, deny that when it comes to these moments. 
and you know playing in in a hostile environment like they did in the Aces uh, Michelob Ultra Arena. A lot of fans there. It's always loud. It's always packed, and it's always crazy. But I think Seattle has the temperament to do it because they've already done it. So right. we'll see. Yeah, and they they announced some of the awards for the end of the season, right? And um, I saw one because she was a Puma athlete, the most improved player, and, and I saw her uh, her kind of like her advertorial. So that that was that was great to see because obviously this Pangos All American Festival we're talking about uh, sponsored by Puma. And I didn't even know when I went, I didn't really know Puma had a, a basketball performance shoe. You know, I know they have San Mallow, but like when I think of Puma, I think I was telling Ani offline. I, like, I think of like hip hop, like B-boy, a Kango hat, sweatsuit and maybe some cool like uh, shoes that you walk around in, like comfort shoes, you know. But I didn't realize that they had a whole uh, like a line that people play in, you know, so that's that's good to see. And. Uh, I see, Chelsea, talk a little bit about our girl, uh, Rebecca Gardner, as a rookie. She's made the all-rookie team. Is there 10 girls selected or five? No, it's actually five. But real quick, just to piggyback off what you said. Yeah, uh, yeah so Jackie Young um, yeah. was uh, the WNBA's most improved player this year. Yeah. Uh, she is a Puma um, signee. Yeah. And Puma actually has totally, like, kind of flipped the switch. I think it's yeah. kind of started with LaMelo now that he yeah. is the face of the brand. But – on the women's side, they have Brianna Stewart. They have Skylar Diggins. They wow. have a lot of high-profile uh, women's players that are that are kind of repping Puma now. Um, so it's just great. And and pretty soon, Brianna Stewart is set to have um, her own shoe. Yeah. Um, so you'll see that kind of um, you know in the near future. But yeah, they yeah. they have a lot of athletes and and they're on the up and up. So I think you'll be surprised uh, to see what they do on the women's side um, coming up here um, in the next yeah. couple of years or so. Uh, but as far as all rookie team goes, uh, my friend, my good friend, Rebecca Gardner, um, I was teasing Ronnie that I think she set the Guinness Book of World Records um, as the oldest WNBA rookie to ever uh, be selected for the all rookie team. Um, Beck just turned 32, a good friend of mine, UCLA alum, uh, just fought her way into the league, man. She's been playing at a very high level overseas for the last 10 seasons. Wow. Um, played yeah. in Euro League, played in Euro Cup, played in Israel with me as teammates. Um, that's when we really became close about maybe six years ago. And um, this year she was just in a fortunate situation where uh, she was playing in Spain, playing in Euro League, and she's uh, lining up uh, pretty frequently with uh, Kalia Copper, who's probably Chicago's um, best player if you if you don't count Candice. Um, sure. She was finals MVP when they won the championship last year and she was playing in Spain. So uh, Rebecca was discovered because she was matching up with Kalia Copper quite often. Um, they both have similar playing styles, um, lanky, tall, skinny frames, but super athletic, uh, very uh, defensive, very versatile on offense as well. And, you know, kind of James Wade was just out there watching Kalia Copper uh, a few times and he discovered Rebecca and was like, yo, like this girl's good. She's ready. Wow. And, you know, she came to the WNBA and it was crazy how it happened because she didn't actually go through training camp. He believed in her that much from just seeing her so many times live that she didn't even make it back in training camp. She was still playing in Spain, but he basically said, hey, I'm putting this girl on the team because I've seen enough. And wow. she just came and she just really just hit the ground running, uh, was a total asset to Chicago from start to finish. Um, just her defense is tenacious and tremendous. Um, I, I really like when uh, James Wade puts Rebecca on one wing and Kalia Copper 
um, on the other wing, and it, it's just hell to pay to just have two super freakish athletic guards, um, you know, kind of running up and down and being disruptive on defense. So so she made the all-rookie team, which I believe is a record. I can't really quote that for sure, but it's got to be. I mean, she's 32, um, and the rest of the all-rookie team rounded out with actually uh, true rookies in terms of age. Um, uh, Ryan Howard, who was the rookie of the year, uh, yeah. she kind of led the team. Um, then it was Nalissa Smith who played um, in, for the Indiana Fever. They didn't do well collectively as a team, but Nalissa, she's a monster. I think a lot of people will, um, you know, get to see her uh, in the coming years as, as probably going to be one of the premier players in the league later on down the line. Um, Shakira Austin, who is a post player for the Washington Mystics. She was very, very good this year. Um, I think, uh, you know, being on a veteran team, you don't always get to see what everybody can do because, you know, she's playing with Deladon and Alicia Clark and uh, Natasha Cloud, just some very good players. But she was absolutely incredible um, and kind of rounded out the team as well. So uh, the WNBA is in good hands, man. I don't know if Rebecca is going to do 10 more years in the league, but <laughs> she'll do at least three. And uh, my girl's killing it. So I just want to shout her out. I'm super proud of her. Oh, yeah. The reason I thought about it, I seen Rebecca a lot in high school at Chena Hills Ayala and her younger sister, Rima, at the time. So I'd always known their names and followed them a bit, but I, I figured they may play pro ball. I knew they were good. I didn't know if they both played. But when I started seeing more of her posts and I saw you into her game and I said, Rebecca's in the league. Huh? that's interesting. I know I, I, I kind of know how you know, old she is. I was like, okay, maybe I just never paid attention to her before on the bench or something, but she's a 32 year old rookie. That's just so awesome. Yeah. That once, once in a, <laughs> once in a lifetime type story. Um, For sure. Ani, let's switch gears here. And it's funny because we had one of our followers uh, who watches this show a lot. And he was like, you know, what, when is the next show? Yeah. And and he's, I was like, well, we're waiting on Chelsea. You know, she's going across the world. We got, we got to find her. And he's like, yeah, because I thought about her when Chet Holmgren got injured. What she said about being very cautious of playing. When am I going to play in the pro am? I don't think I'm going to play. My father told me, you know, hey, you might want to sit it out. Just get ready for the season. So, you know, with with uh, with Chet, you know, what was your first reaction, Ani? Honestly, he was in the pro am up at Jamal Crawford's. Uh, crossover league so what 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 did you think what do you think going forward and what are the thunder gonna do um i mean he was uh he was really ambitious you know yeah. just you know, in that's in that play just trying to get the block but i mean they, they talked about the course being slippery early that's a lot it was a whole lot of people so you know you can tell the course we're gonna get yeah. like that um you know people like oh the nba players shouldn't play in programs and i get that i mean the, but the thing about chet i mean it was a durability thing anyways, even though this is his first major injury, you know, it was always going to be a durability thing, especially his rookie year as they're trying to add uh, to him. I just think NBA players got to be careful. Like if you're going to play out there, like, you know, there's just some plays you just let go, <laughs> right? Like, you know, work on some of the stuff that you don't, that, you know, you know, you need to work on, but you know, you don't have to go that hard. I, I feel like, it was just, it was like a freak thing almost, sure. but also you just got to be careful. You know, I think he, he learned that, <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. hard way. But I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you're in a decent place because, you know, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team anyways. I mean, at best, they're probably a fringe playoff team, you know, very clicks like with him, Pogu, Shea, uh, Josh, uh, Giddy. But, you know, now you're in a situation where you're back in the lottery. 
or you may be a top three pick. So you have you're in a situation next NBA draft where you could bring in you know a Scoot or a Victor or you know maybe one of the Thompson twins or a Nick Smith. You know some guys that are ranked that high early. Um, so if you're Oklahoma, it's not the end of the world. You know he ain't the yeah. first rookie. Correct. Who picked that's been hurt? Ben Simmons missed out the whole season. Joel and B. So it ain't the end of the world. You know yeah. it just. Now they're in position where they can get another top three pick. So, you know, it'd be very interesting to see if it becomes a Victor and Chet front court. What does that look like? <laughs> you know, so uh, it's, not, it's just one of those things, the NBA player, and you're going to pro, just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, what was your – what did you think? And, you know, obviously we just talked about that on, on one of the In the Pain episodes prior. And, and it can happen anywhere. You know, like, you know, obviously it can happen anywhere. And uh, I know the NBA is going to – in his contract for Chet, he had a, you know, obviously in one of the in one of the one of the uh, bylines, it's like he has certain places he can play, and and Jamal Crawford's uh, pro am was one of the places he can play. So he's not, you know, it's he didn't breach his contract or anything like that. Yeah, um, like you said, he was cleared to play. Yeah. Um, I think when you're young, like you just kind of want to hoop, and you know, it's yeah. one of those situations that it's absolutely unfortunate, and it could have happened anywhere. You know, I have my personal reasons why I don't do certain things, but I also don't have million dollar contracts and I'm also not insured when I'm playing in the pro. So it's a little bit different situation. Like I I, I don't feel anything but a little bit of remorse that, you know, he was very excited about his, you know, upcoming, you know, rookie season. And it was kind of a little bit delayed for him. Um, But I, I think being those guys in those situations, for the most part, I think the NBA guys are pretty smart. Um, They're aware of what's happening. Um, You know, a lot of those games are kind of controlled to a certain extent and you're playing with other professionals, which I'm I'm all for. You know, if I'm going to personally play in a program, I need to know who's playing, um, that somebody's not going to kind of take me out. Um, But just my personal, you know, situation is when I'm playing in the summers, I'm not insured. So I make significantly less money. And if I get hurt, I still don't get my NBA check like Chet will this season. So it's definitely a little bit different. Um, and I just remember being that age when I was that age, I kind of played in everything as well. You know, if there's pickup games or pro-ams, then I'm all for sure. it. You know, now I'm just kind of at a different point in my career where I don't have the best body and I'm all about making as much money as I can. And I don't want to risk any of that money by playing free basketball. So it's yeah. a little bit different, but I, I feel for the kid. Um, I kind of agree with Ani that OKC is going to be fine. You know, he'll rejoin the team in the year. Um, I do have questions just about Chet's durability and body, though. Like, I don't want to kind of over, you know, make this be a little bigger deal than what it probably is. But, you know, I just think like Yao Ming, like foot injuries are like terrible. Um, He's tall. He's lanky. uh, Everybody had questions kind of of his size. And and I I just really hope that he's able to bounce back 100 percent from this um, so we can really see uh, how great everybody, you know, believed that Chet would be um, once he started to kind of, you know, make his way. Um, in the league, get a little bit bigger, have a couple years under his belt. So I, I'm really just hopeful that he's not hindered by this injury long term and that it doesn't affect his career. Yeah. And you're right about foot injuries. You think about that. I usually think about tall guys and, and circulation is something I always hear like with the tall guy it could be a little different. Uh, Will Chamberlain was like that. People didn't realize Will Chamberlain had some issues that were circulation wise just based mm-hmm. on his size. And later on in life, it affected him. He had just some jaw, his lining in his jaw was wrong. He always had some circulation issues. So you you wonder about that. Obviously, um, the guy I always think about 
And it's just kind of like they it's moved on. Nobody talks about it because he was a great player. It was Grant Hill when he got injured. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. people probably. forget when Tracy McGrady and him went to Orlando, it was like, oh, my God, this team's going to be so good. They're going to be the team of the 2000s. They're, those two guys were so awesome. And then Grant Hill hurt his foot, and then he, like, reheard it. Then he got bad advice. It just was like a bad chain of things that happened, and it was, like, never the same. So, yeah, you like you said, you you hope it all works out. And it should should be fine. Obviously, I think medicine and, right. and things like that have – Team personnel is probably yeah, sure. advanced in 20 years, even though it doesn't seem that long ago. It's like probably advanced. They're all probably better. I just think for the programs, they're probably going to have to get a little more serious of like where the fans stand, mm-hmm. um, you know, the amount of cameras on the baseline. I would hate to see like, you know, some young rookie crash into a camera and like, you know, hurt himself or something. Like there's a lot of, in other words, it's, it's kind of ran like a program or ran like a pickup game, but you don't really have pickup players there. You have guys that are, Mm-hmm. As Chelsea said, have guaranteed million dollar contracts. So, like, I could see that the, the programs are not going to stop, but like, just maybe being a little more controlled, spending a little bit more money on like logistics, making sure uh, courts are not, uh, you know, condensation, all that stuff. There's just going to be way more awareness of it mm-hmm. going forward. I just think that's the only thing. It's going to be spending a little bit more money to get the the great players that are going to be playing for free. So, and that's really what it's all about. I think. Jamal Crawford made that point, and LeBron made that point, I think, too. It's like, hey, guys, people that want to see kids that they're never going to really get a chance to sit on the front row at an NBA game for a couple thousand dollars. And that's really what it's all about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, th- that should be great, and I don't think that's going to that's gonna change. Um, wanted to get your guys' take on something that's kind of along those lines with people standing on the sidelines and cameras all over the place is – and on you, I think you saw it at the circuit. You know, kid gets dunked on, especially if it's a small guard and it's a seven footer. So, and the kids just go crazy. Everybody stops the court. They run on the court. They're doing the little hand gestures, and sometimes you even see coaches jump up. Like, what is that? What's the take? What's your take there? Does that need to stop? Or is it kids are kids? They're fifteen years old. They're fourteen years old. Hey, we didn't have cameras like that when we were kids, so we're jealous. The adults are jealous. You know, where is the Line drawn. Well, I think you like kids be kids. I mean, if yeah. you get to post a dunk, I mean, there's no problem celebrating it. I mean, running into running on the court and like stopping the game is too much. Yeah. But I do think cameras is is very interesting. If you see less cameras at a game, especially like out here, like in, in like when you're in Dallas, like if there's no cameras, someone gets dunked on. I'm telling you, the celebration is a lot different than when there's a lot of cameras. Sure. So cameras do <laughs> like. Someone wants to put on. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, let kids be kids. Like, you get posted, don't you? Yeah, celebrate a little bit, whatever. Keep it moving. But, like, don't run onto the court. We, we shouldn't stop the game because someone <laughs> got dunked on. You know what I mean? Like, it's all good, like, having a reaction. But, st- like, because people can't control themselves, yeah. you know, that was like, okay. So, like, I was at a pro-am. Tony Swindle runs a pro-am. And those are more adults, but like someone got dunked on. Like in pro ams, it made sense because you mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe you want to get. But like an actual like school scholastic game or a summer ball game, like in life, you're like, okay, guys, like, <laughs> yeah. And then usually the type of dudes that are dunking on people, this ain't the first time. So this is not the first time we've all seen someone getting dunked on, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, why are my why is the coach running onto the center of yeah. the court? Like, you know, a la John Yuri, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the assistant coach run on the court. It's like, guys, I seen that too. Like, even on, well, Bronny had a dunk on TV, and I'm just like, 
the bench is going more crazier than the kids. I'm like, they're following your lead. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's just a funny, uh, more not a funny, but semi-serious thing. But yeah, the the running on the court, I don't know how we're going to stop it. Maybe, maybe it just will die out, but there's always going to be new ways. Kids are going to invent new ways to, to uh, celebrate. You know what I mean? If you stop them doing one thing, they're going to find another way. You know what I mean? So it's pretty, pretty interesting, but. Yeah, I just think about the camera. Like you said, the camera changes everything for for everything, whether it's a pro-am, a summer league game, a high school game. Uh, yeah, everything is affected by human behavior. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you on it. It's just the running on the court should slow down a bit. And, you know, speaking of slowing down, we, we you know, we, we got to slow down on some of these things that are happening in, like, games, you know, just – the, the violence and things like that as well. I, I don't know where we go with that, but that that's just crazy. You know, the uh, we've talked about that before. There's no need for us to get too deep into it. But when you hear about a kid getting shot, uh, his father getting shot at a Pop Warner game, it's like and, – and, and, Ani, it's funny because some of my Texas followers from, on Facebook, they're like, Ronnie, you know, we know that's a big incident and it's unfortunate that the man died, the coach. He's like, but we at all these games out here, people are packing. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. at, at Pop Warner games, the guys were telling me in Texas, some of the, my guys that I follow on Facebook and they're my friends and, and there might be our mutual friends are like, Ronnie, that's not the first time, like, dudes have a gun, like, oh, yeah. at games and stuff. And I'm just like, God dang, like, it just. I, Come know, to a Pop yeah. Warner football game in Dallas. Like, yeah, yeah you got, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> that's that's different, man. <laughs> like. That's just a different world. You, you got you to gotta be packing. I ain't going to lie. Like, it, it gets that crazy. But why do you think we've gotten there, Ani? Like, why is it so, dude, it's nine-year-olds, it's 11-year-olds. What are we doing, you know? I, I always think everything just comes from everyone looking at the top, right? Uh-huh. So when, especially, even if you look at, like, the most fights you'll see in a basketball tournament is middle school. Like, I see right. more fights in middle school and younger boy events than I do in high school. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. when they get, when at that age, I think everyone, their the parents feel like their kid is going to be the next, whoever the top. NFL players, whoever the top yeah. NBA players, like there's that dream. I think when kids get into high school, get 17, 18 years old, you start, you know, not everyone thinks like that about their son. Reality starts kicking in more, right? Sure, sure. Uh, I think at that age, I just think everyone's fighting for, you know, they're seeing the top, which is the NBA or the NFL or it's called basketball and seeing guys make money and this, that, and the third. And I, and I really believe parents are looking at that for their kid now, <laughs> like at that young age. And I think the second thing is that that's their baby. So they're like, if a kid's eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, and they see him getting pushed around at a basketball <laughs> uh, game, or they're seeing them get hurt, like in a football game, you know, people react different compared to when they're like, when they're older, where it's like, okay, are you okay? You know, you good? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's those two things. It's just, they look at, you know, they think their kid is going to be the next whatever. Right. For what they're watching on TV. And the second thing is they don't like seeing their, you know, the the little boy, you know, get hurt or getting bullied or, you know, feel like they're getting cheated because the kid's older or whatever, you know, whatever the case is. It's sure. just that's what's that's what happens. Wow. That yeah, I never thought about that because you know, when when I would go to do football camps, we, we with my own company before I was with ESPN student sports, we ran the Nike football training camps. Mm-hmm. And um we ran them with 100% uh, Nike backing and involvement, and nobody even knew we were a company. We They obviously thought we were Nike employees because that was the 
what we were trying to portray. The, our company was just an event management company. We didn't, it didn't matter, you know, what we were doing. It was just representing Nike. Everything we did was trying to make them look good because they were our client and we're very good client. You know, my old boss, Andy Bark, was just well connected with them. And you would see like, it's funny, Ani, you would see like, there's 14, 15, 16 year olds, high school kids. And when we do one in Georgia, uh, Texas, whatever, they would usually come with their coach mm-hmm. in a in a van and it had like 15, you know, 12, 15 kids. And they were ready to go. Like, like you said, not a lot of prayer involvement, not a lot of coddling, that kind of thing. Here on the Cal- in Southern California at uh, the ones we did at the USC, Redondo Beach, it was like, what time does this event start? Where can my son go? Where can I leave his spring water? Does he get lunch? Uh, what time is this over? You know, it was just a totally different uh, kind of like parental involvement based on where we were at in the country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I can see what you're saying. The younger they get, they're just so much more involved. Because I was thinking at the time I was looking at some of them and they were 15, 16. I was like, why are you running to the front of the line for your kid? He's 16, 17. Like, he can handle this. He's a football player. Like, what are we doing here? You know yeah. like, so it's just like, come on, you know, he, he'll find the bathroom. We'll, we'll get him a water break. Like, he's fine, you know, but it just wasn't that way. Like, just anymore in the deep south, they were just way hungry, ready to go, and 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 that kind of thing. So I can see what you're saying with younger kids. It's a very sensitive thing. But hopefully those things turn around and we don't have any more incidents like that. And obviously we're not going to spend too much time on it. But it's just an unfortunate incident that I wanted to bring up. Uh, let's, let's switch gears here. Ani, uh, you were... You went to the tech TCU team camp. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. And and obviously this is the time that colleges have their team camps and and, and then they're going to get their kids in in the fall here soon. Right. School's pretty much starting everywhere around the country. Right. Yeah. No. So TCU ran their uh, league camp. I want to say it's the third or fourth year that they've yeah. done it. And they usually get the, like the top high major players or top guys to just in the state. So we had a good crop of 24s, 25s, and we had a few 26s. Uh, so it was really good. I thought there was about probably 12 to 15 high major, potential high major players. Um, Jared Harris, 2024, uh, from Silsby. Uh, John Yuri, uh, a, a kid, played for Houston Superstars in the summer. He was the best player at the camp. About 6'4", mm-hmm. long arms, explosive, uh, can really get the spots, just a natural score. Uh, you know, I saw him in July, and he was really good. I wanted to get a really good look at him against some other like high major type players. And uh, he was really good. He was the best player. I think he's a kid that's really contending. You know, Trey Johnson, ESPN put Trey Johnson number one in the country. And obviously he's number one in the state. Uh, But uh, I think Jared Harris has really creeped on to being the second best player in the state of Texas in that class. You know, I think he's a potential top 50 player in the country. I mean, there's a lot of ability and talent. Really uses length. I think there's some real upside there. And, um, you know, he'll be interested to see just kind of how he does during the season. Um, <clears throat> there's a kid out of Oklahoma. He's a Pangos kid. He he played he's played in like I think the past two of Pangos all South Camp. Carshawn Young, Ronnie, I don't know if you uh, you remember him. 2025 uh, from Oklahoma, about six three combo. You know, very strong lefty gets his spots, has a high feel for the game. Uh, reliable shooter from deep. I thought he was the second best player at the camp. And then you got guys like Nick Cody, who's a 2024, about 6'8", from uh, Newman Smith. Um, he's a kid that's going to be like a late bloomer, but I think he just continues to get better and better by the each month. 
about six eight. He's like a four three, like a tweener. Uh, shoots it well. Can put the ball on the floor. Not the strongest of finishers, but he's getting there. You know, just like he's getting more confident uh, each time he plays, and he keeps growing. Like uh, I would say, beginning of summer, he's probably about six six. Now he's probably legit six eight. Wow. Uh, so <clears throat> he's a kid that would just keep monitoring, uh, and he's fairly young. He's he's a, he's fairly young for his class. In that 24 class in Louisiana, uh, Jeremiah Evans, he was out there and he just turned 16, I believe. So, like, he's mm-hmm. very, very young for a rising junior. And, uh, wow, yeah, about six, eight, long arms, really runs the floors, running rim to rim and finishing, trying to block shots, just upside with the shooting. You know, I saw some mid range jumpers that look clean and were going in. Um, <clears throat> he's a kid, I think, has like top 75 potential in the country. Um, and just I, I'll be interested to see what it looks like when he's 18, right? <laughs> because he's like a year, um, he's like a year younger than younger. most people in his yeah. class. But he, there's some real upside there. I think he's going to be a kid that really blossoms either the end going into this summer or the next year going to that senior season. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was this time you talk about King Grace, 2025 uh, guard from Dallas Hillcrest, and Dallas Hillcrest has like three potential high major players in that 25 class. And um, he was good, just really can score the basketball, uses his strength, uh, just wired to just score the ball at all three levels. But, um, you know, really good competition. It was a good eval, right? Like guys that you saw you think are maybe like high major type prospects, you really see their weaknesses when they go against high major length and athleticism. Sure, sure. Uh, Some of these guards, you get to see their decision making and see how far behind they are on their decision making or, you know, how much they've improved. So. You know, that's what I like about elite camps, like really good college elite camps, like UTA ran one uh, the week before, and it was good. Uh, you know, McNeese is out here. They ran, I heard they had a really good one, UAPB uh, ran one. So we get a lot of elite camps around here, Corpus Christi. But, you know, the ones that are like – but this TCU one, you saw more of the high major type players. Obviously, it's a high major school. And uh, you just – it was a good, good, good evaluation of just seeing where guys are at you know, these rising juniors, these rising sophomores, and just get a feel for just, like, what level of player they are. Yeah. yeah usually team camps are good in the late summer or even in the early summer, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's always a, a good eval because it seems serious. Like, you're thinking, hey, these, these, these coaching staff might offer us a scholarship or look at us for a scholarship in the future. So it's always, like, a good eval at a, at a, at a team camp. I usually haven't gone to one where it hasn't been pretty good. You know, maybe the – the uh and maybe the high sometimes they have a high school team camp meaning at a college campus that could be like a grassroots level event but when he has individuals and it's not a lot of guys how many guys were there Ani? i want to say there was seven teams so yeah it was about 72 maybe 72 got you yeah yeah that's a small number so you get a good eval they the coaches get to watch them closely or or the scouts so uh yeah chelsea tell us a little bit about that your experience real quick uh, I know you blew up. You you changed. You got onto a bigger travel team, but like, did how did you get to where you went? Where Duke was one of your finalists. Who were your two or three finalists, and how did you get? How did they get there for you? Um, yeah, well, just you know, off the back, like I was a late bloomer in terms of just hitting the AAU circuit and stuff. I didn't do a lot of camps anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a lot of eval camps. You know, for 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 the guys, basically just you know, uh, ABCD and Pangos and all these different things. Like we didn't really have that when I was playing. So um, just for me, you know, my dad being very old school, um, 
I had I was playing on a small Vegas team. He was not into, you know, going to Gorman or hopping around and, you know, playing for all yeah. these different teams on the circuit. You know, sometimes you see these kids play for, you know, Vegas Elite one year, then they're on, you know, all these other high caliber teams and kind of bouncing around. So my dad was never into that. Um, I played for a small Vegas team pretty much um, most of my high school uh, career. And then sure. finally, one summer, I was able to get on the circuit, uh, play with my best friend who was playing for West Coast Elite, which is a premier girls team on the West Coast, uh, yeah. comprised of Vegas, Cali, Texas uh, girls. So they were just on the circuit, um, joined that team, ended up being a starter. We went to all the high-profile tournaments for girls, Nike Nationals, Boo Williams. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what changed for me. Like, I had, you know, Pepperdine and UC Irvine and UC Riverside caliber schools. And I played one year on the circuit, went from unranked to nationally ranked, I think, number seven in my position, maybe number 55, 56 overall. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I went from those schools to Duke, Texas, Cal, USC, UCLA, pretty much all the Pac-12 schools. Um, just kind of like just blew up. So uh, I ended up taking advantage of all my visits because, you know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't really know anything. I wanted to sure. go on every visit and be wine and dine. Uh, so I took all five official visits, uh, Duke, Cal, USC, uh, Temple, which was yeah. one of my favorites because Don Staley was my idol. Um, so I had to go uh, to see her. She was uh, the head coach at Temple at the time. And then I took unofficials to like UCLA it was close by. Sure. Um, and I think so what was that Duke, Texas, Temple, Cal and USC. So those are my five official visits. UCLA sure. was unofficial. Um, and basically just at the time I wanted to go to Temple. Um, uh, Don Staley kind of just rolled out the red carpet for me. I went on my official visit to Temple by myself. Um, you know, usually they do these official visits in like groups of two or three. Sure. But I went by myself. Uh, USA basketball was doing a women's training camp at the time. So they were wow. practicing there. I was sitting there courtside watching Tina Thompson and just everybody who was on the USA team at the time work out. I have a ton of pictures um, with Candace Parker, just a ton of pictures of all the players at the time. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed myself, wanted to commit right then and there. I called my mom like, mom, I'm coming to Temple. Don's my favorite. She's going <laughs> to make me great. Like, this is the best. And then my mom was like, uh, no, like, I won't sleep at night if you're going to school um, uh, in the hood in Philly. Like, please, please do not commit. Come home. Let's talk about it. You still have other visits, like, blah, blah, blah. So basically wouldn't allow me to commit. Um, and then ultimately, I just knew she wasn't comfortable with, with me going there. And I ended up going to Duke because I was a total nerd and very studious at the time. Um, I was salutatorian of my high school, so just under valedictorian. And um, Duke women's program at the time was like third in the country. So it was just the yeah. best, um, you know, best combination of basketball and, you know, academics Academic. at the time. And that's kind of how I ended up there. So didn't work out due to injuries, but I definitely wouldn't have changed anything um, besides going to Temple because that's where I wanted to go. And my mom said, no. so that, <laughs> that's it. That's how it worked for me. Oh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Temple always have a special place in your heart then. In, in underneath i imagine so that that's that's pretty awesome but yeah i just wanted to get your take because we talk about how people get to where they are and maybe they can blow up late or go to a team camp and and, and do well uh for the event we went to uh the pangos all american festival it's mostly high level guys so it ain't mm -hmm. there's nobody that's really gonna like blow up the, like that that's from nowhere but there is guys what i got from the 
a lot of the players and, and our guest Jeremy Fears is that they really liked it that it was smaller. Like you mentioned, Ani, these 70 guys. It was mm-hmm. only 40 guys, maybe right. even a little less than that, seven or eight per team. So there was no question about like, oh, am I going to play a lot? I came to L.A., school started. Am I going to only play eight minutes? And I came out of here. They all played a lot, so that wasn't a problem. Uh, they got a lot of reps. They got a lot, some continuity. And then with it being broken up into the, um, like a regional format, it, the guys want to win. They're like, hey, we want to mm-hmm. represent our our area. We want to win. So that that was cool. And and coming into the event when I seen that Jeremy was playing with Flory Budunga, who's on the Indiana, Indiana Elite 16s. And we talked about him. We talked about his team on a previous episode, how good he is. I was like, uh, that team's probably going to win. Like, because I don't really think the country knows how really good he is. Like, in total, I mean, he's he was on the three SSB circuit, but it's like this guy could be the number one player in the country. Well, like, that good, like, he's yeah. that good, not like, oh, he's pretty good. So, uh, I just thought they had the strongest team. And even though Xavier Booker didn't play out, didn't go, wasn't able to go, they were still the strongest team. Uh, Ani, have do you think Jeremy Fears like put you on spot of is he like, is there a better point guard right now in 23? Ooh, <clears throat> him and Isaiah Collier. Yeah, I mean, and Collier, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. them two, I think, are in the yeah. tier of their own. Yeah. I, I would say. And then, you know, which one you want to pick? I mean, I know 24 7 put Isaiah Collier number one in the country. Yeah. Um, in, but uh, I, I really like Jeremy Fierce. I've been really impressed right. with him this summer. Um, he's arguably the best point guard in the country. So I, yeah. I definitely think him and Collier are just, they're in the tier of their own. And which one you want to go ahead, it doesn't. You know, yeah. For me, for me, just me seeing fears. I would say for me, yes. Uh, yeah, he he is, but a uh, more of a true guard, true distributor than Collier's a stronger can score. Yeah, can score. Yeah, yeah. and Jeremy yeah. just really just you know, like you said, just more a traditional point can yeah. just can affect it with the scoring and passing. No, I doubt. have a question for you, Ani. Yeah. Um, you just talked about, you know, going to TCU's key, uh, team camp and just having the ability to evaluate and stuff like that. Do you think it's a little bit of gift of, and a curse, though, that we have so much access to to these players? Like, I just remember coming up like, you know, I went from not being ranked to being ranked in one summer. But, you know, maybe I would have been ranked higher if I would have played much longer and everybody would have watched me or maybe they would have got a better look at me and said, oh, you know, Chelsea's not really like that. So what do you think about just being able to constantly evaluate and see these kids and do you think it helps them long-term or, you know, can hurt them in a sense? Like what, what, do, what do you think about that? I think, I think it can hurt. For me, I have to be, that's a great question. For me, I have to be selective of what, when I want to go see guys, right? Like sometimes I'll over-evaluate a player if I see them too much. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, for, for me, it's good intel. Like I get this, I get a bigger sample size when I see kids a lot. I get to know the kid, get to, you know, I get some real like information, you know what I mean? But like, I think for kids, if you're playing everything, I, I think it can't hurt you. <laughs> you know, I think, I think it can, because for me, I've had to realize now going and doing this nine years, like, okay, like, you know, there's guys going to have bad games, right? There's guys who are just not going to look good, but it's good to see how dudes handle adversity. You know, I look at things a little bit different compared, you know, I'm not saying I'm just the greatest, but like, you know, I look at things, I'll, I've had to look at things different when it comes to me watching a kid a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, I think it can hurt the kid if they're playing in every camp, every tournament, because now every, 
when he when he gets to the point the kid can play, then as an evaluator, you're looking at what he can't do. And sometimes what he can't do will go away from what the kid can do. Like, let's not forget, like, like I can see Flory like 25 more times. And I'm going to start looking at what he can't do. <laughs> right. But like, as, but for me, I always have to remember, but he, what makes yeah. him special is this, this, and that. Yeah. Um, I think for players, sometimes when you just are in so many, you're in these people's faces all the time, you start getting talked about what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless if you're the top player in the country, regardless if, yeah. you know, yeah, I just think you gotta be selective. I just think you gotta be smart. Like not every camp's a good camp to go to, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to go, play in every AAU tournament. Like, you don't have to play sure. the AAU games. You don't have to go to 10 different camps. You know, like, be selective. Go to ones that may make some sense to you, that, you know, you can kind of show out to, you know, all that stuff. I think you just got to be smart. Yeah, that's good yeah. advice. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, it's funny when, when you get the different perspective when you get older, right? So I always think it's funny when, like, NBA players that are a little bit older, probably in their 40s and 50s are now, they're like, oh, I hate AU ball. And, you know, it's like, boy, you played on, just, on AU ball. <laughs> right, <AU>. right. <laughs> like, that's how certain guys, you know, saw saw you. It's pretty funny. And obviously, you have some guys that are getting recruited through the scholastic ranks. But, yeah, almost all of them got recruited the same way, kind of like Chelsea was mentioning. Hey, you play for an AU team. Maybe you play for a bigger one. You get more opportunities. That That's kind of the story of most guys. I don't think – now, right. some of them blow up. Like you said, not a lot of them blow up late like, as you did, Chelsea. There's a few famous ones, obviously, but a lot of guys, uh, you know, they go through the the ring or playing for a local team, then they're good, and now they're getting recruited to a much teams all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what I see at these events. Uh, speaking of even the Pangos Festival, CP3 had a camp in LA. Yeah. A smaller version was college and high school, elite high school, and then our guy Pooh Jeter. Uh, who played in the, who played in the NBA? And he's the great story of getting to the NBA the way he did um, out of mm-hmm. the University of Portland. Is uh, he had an event, and I just think the kids have so much options. Chelsea, yeah. I they're mm-hmm. almost overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have they can go to something every weekend. And, and Ani, we've talked about it, and uh, Chelsea, we we've joked around it with you. We can go to something every weekend. You know, there was three events in LA this weekend, so it's easy to just we have more access to the kids. So. If this is 15 years ago and I was like, oh, I wonder who that girl from Mojave is. She's pretty good, but, I, you know, I didn't catch her name. She's a pretty good point guard. Uh, you'd have to wait for the next event mm-hmm. or call up to Mojave's high school coach and be like, hey, do you guys have a 5'8 guard that's really good and quick? Now you just find your, that person online and start DMing yeah. them. Hey, where are you at? Where you go to school? Hey, what travel team do you play for? Kids are getting asked to transfer and join join other travel teams pretty much on every week now. Yeah, you know, that, that's a, you that you got to feel for them a bit. They're getting asked to play in this event. Oh, I can get you an NIL deal uh, all day long, and it's just they're being bombarded with information, and not all of it's good. Right, yeah. you know that's kind of what I got out of this weekend. I was like, dude, everybody's talking about NIL, and I did I did put a story on BallsLife.com about it. Go check it out when you get a chance. It's, they're just being bombarded with information and options. Whereas I think some people thought, like you mentioned, Chelsea, 20 years ago, we didn't have as many options. Definitely not 30 years ago. Just the league guys got invited to ABCD camp. There was a few other camps. It was five-star, and that's it. We moved on. We evaluated them there, and that that's basically where they got a reputation. So, 
Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Ani, uh, real quick before we talk about the Pangos Festival and bring on Jeremy, um, the new rankings came out. What was your take about it? I always hear all year long, rankings don't matter, the rankings don't matter, the rankings <laughs> don't matter. And then when the day they come out, all of a sudden they do matter. Oh, <laughs> uh, ESPN rankings? Uh, yeah, you know, like everybody's rankings. Yeah, you know, Paul being Cardi messed up some people's days. I was texting though with him uh, yeah. last night. You know, we kind of just uh, laughing. Going back and forth. But, uh, you know, I thought the rankings were, you know, solid. Like, I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah. I know Paul, he tries to go, you know, ESPN, they try to go see as many guys as they can. Um, sure. Obviously, there are players that I wouldn't put in certain spots, <laughs> you know, but it's what it is. I mean, right. I was more amazed by the reaction. And I know it happens every year, but just like the calls, like people like, why, why, did, why was this kid ranked? Like, just yeah pissed off like you know it just ruined people's days mm -hmm. um just people not seeing their kid in the rankings i know you know espn rankings you know people do a, a lot of high level people do look at those right oh, so, yeah you know <laughs> so i know people know that so that's why it gets really intense but uh it was sure. just amazed by the reactions like i mean there was there were people that were just messed up by the rankings like they just wow. did not yeah. have a good day because you know, their son was ranked too low, and their, their guy, their yeah. guy wasn't ranked, and I'm just like, you know, yeah, it's it's, it is. <laughs> it's what it is. Like, it's a never evolving door. The reason I ask is because it seems like mostly in California, people take it in stride. You know, California, cool, okay, but I know you guys are passionate right now in Texas. You just oh. love your balls. It, it's, I'm looking <laughs> at online. I've seen the. I've seen the tweets. I've seen the next comment. Said that's a Texas dude. That's a Texas dude. That's a Texas. I'm like, oh boy. These yeah, guys... if, it was, if it was up to Texas, we would have 20 kids in the national rankings. I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, 20 out of 100. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we would we would fight like hell for it. Um, yeah, no, we're very passionate. You know, Texas is. Uh, you know, one thing we have going on right now. Obviously, we have a lot of talent, right? Uh, yeah. you know, each year, we're going to have anywhere from 50 to 70. Uh, Division One players, you know, that's sure. the counting guys that go from JUCO on to Division One. But uh, you know, we we got a big exodus, you know, right now, like a players leaving uh, the sure. state and stuff like that. So I think right now we just kind of like when we don't see a kid that maybe that's here that's not ranked on the national side or whatever, whatever may the case may be, we're like, okay, like, are we going to lose this kid? You know, is this kid going to go to this school because he feels like the only way he's going to get ranked or get seen is if he goes out, <laughs> out of the state of Texas, you know, like you look at the 23, like I um, was working on some Texas rankings out of the 75, I think about 15 of them are out of the state now. Uh, so mm -hmm. like, we're getting a lot of people leaving the state to go to schools. So I think that you got to look. So it's like a, right now, we're, there's a mixture of that. <laughs> um, you know, us thinking we should have a whole bunch of kids in the national rankings. We got a lot of talent, but I'm sure. Gonna, let's be realistic. We can't have 14 kids in the national ranking. Yeah. Top 100. That's, that's nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're very passionate. I love it here. I, I love it here, but we know, like, we know, Ani. But, but it, it's, a, it's a different animal, you know. Ronnie, Ronnie been here, seen all the craziness. It, it, it's different. Like even TCU yeah. camp, you got Adidas, Nike people. Like you got everyone just roaming the courts. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, 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 a, it's different. But I love vouching it. for their guys. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the way I look at it is the one problem I would say, or the one thing I see, the way I look at it is in California, like you said, most popular state. So when I do my Cal High Sports Hot 
top 100, which I've done, we've done for many, 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 many years. And it's like, okay, there's probably should be 10 guys in there, right? 10%. Right. And it's like some years there might be 12, some years nine and eight. The only problem I see with the rankings now is we're not telling people or giving a perspective how good the class is. Yeah. So, like, in some classes you have Jabari, Smith, Chet, Holmgren, and Paolo, like, those three guys. So those three guys, one of those guys would be number one easily in another class. Right. Like, 223. Mm-hmm. I just go out put it. Either one of, any one of those three would be number one in 223 easily. You know what I mean? So right. in some years you have uh, – uh, you know, guys that would be much lower or much higher. And, and Chelsea, I think about your years all the time in that years, 07, 08. So mm-hmm. 07 was an awesome class, uh, Ani, like deep, awesome. There was 40 mm-hmm. guys that could have been McDonald's All-Americans, and it was just a great class at that time. You know, uh, some of them mm-hmm. did okay, some of them did. Aaron Gordon, O.J. Mayo, Kevin Love, mm-hmm. yeah, I could go on. But Xavier Hendry was a really good young player. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, good young in ninth grade. He went to Nike camp and everything. But when he got to uh, senior year, everybody's like, well, he can be a game changer. And I was like, guys, he's top three in this class. In 07, he wouldn't be in the top 12 Mm-mm. because they didn't, every class is different. Right. That was my point. But we're treating him like a top three player or like a, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I just didn't think he was that good. Nothing against him. He, he's a good player, yeah. but he wasn't. Derek Rose, OJ Mayo, and Aaron Gordon and Kevin Love. He just wasn't. But again, so we don't give it no perspective of how good the class is, or is that a great class, a bad class? So I mean, I'd go on record and say this 223 class needs some work. Oh, oh yeah, wonderful. Talked about they need work. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'll just say that hopefully some of them are listening, their coaches are listening. Like you guys, you guys are not there yet. Almost hardly mm-hmm. anybody's not to that level. Like I'm saying, uh, Aaron Gordon and and Derek Rose, they're not. You know what I mean? So I, I think that needs a little bit more better perspective when we put out the rankings, whether it's ESPN 247, on either one, me and you do. We need to give people more of a perspective of how good they are because there always seems to be the same amount of five stars, the same amount of four stars when it shouldn't be. You know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. That I yeah. agree because even if you look at, yeah. the no offense, 23 class, you look at those guys at the top yeah. three and you put them in 22, like yeah. they may not be top 10 guys. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, like that's, that's what you're looking at. So I agree yeah. with you. Like, yeah, classes like the 24 class is just okay, but we know the 25 class is looking very, very strong. Right. Like, Correct. we have to look at it class by class. Yeah. You know, the the from 22 22 class, and you look at 23 it's night and day. <laughs> the reality yeah. of it. So yeah. yeah, I'm agreeing with you on that. Yeah. So and we go to the Pangos Festival. It was a great event. Uh, the Midwest won. As expected, with Jeremy Fears and our guy Flory Badunga as the co-MVPs. Brooklyn Hicks from Timberline, Lacey Washington was on that team. He really stepped up. Gary Duwall, uh, Ani, yeah. he, he's from uh, Carmel, Indiana, but now he's out of Julius V. He's going to Providence. Dude, he really stepped up. He's really good. He was in Houston in middle school. Okay, he's from Houston or he was yeah. living there? Yeah, he was living there for like two years. So Very yeah. quiet kid. Very nice. He's. I go. Yeah. Well, how did you pick Providence? And he was like, you know, they've been on me the most. Uh, I felt comfortable. I mean, he's a great pickup for Providence. I mean, I can't imagine there's a better defender, perimeter defender in the country. I mean, he's picking guys like a middle school game. Like the guys are not scholarship players. He's just picking their pockets. So I'm like, wow. So he did a really good job. Uh, the Midwest beat the South. 
uh, in the championship game. Uh, the South did a good job. Uh, Mercy Miller made the all-tournament team. Obviously, Masterpiece son. We've talked about him before. He's now out in California. Uh, not to be confused with Victorious Miller. I think everybody knows his cousin a little bit more. But Mercy's a really good prospect, yes. uh, Ani. He's turning a really good prospect. He had two 30-point games, 31-32. Uh, kept his team in it. They won the first-round game. And they lost the second round game in the championship to the Midwest is just a little too strong, but he did really well. You know, he, he's, he's, he's coming on very good. Uh, your guy, Gary Norman from Richland Hills, Birdville or 3D empire. He's going to Michigan state where he's joining yeah. Jeremy fears and uh, Xavier Booker was in, but going So Michigan state already has a really good class. I know Jeremy talked a little bit about that and he was trying to recruit some guys, you know, to join him at Michigan state. And he, he went there, uh, you know, committed early and felt comfortable so uh you know let's let's see if we could bring on jeremy now on the in the paint show and and we'll get his take on the event uh he was able to jump on we're glad he was able to he had a long flight and he was a little you know a little winded but he was able to join us let me see if we could we can get him on now guys of joliet west in illinois joining us after getting home from the Pangos All American Festival, Jeremy, how's it going? Did you get any rest, man? Are you are you rested up? Uh, I got a little rest, you know. It was a long flight; it was four hours. You know, Oof. then yeah. I got end up getting home at like twelve at night, and then had school. Had to be back up at like six, seven. So I got a little rest. It was it was good. Good, good. Did you get a full workout for practice, or what are you guys doing right now for for the basketball team, or is it just kind of like after school you working out and and doing some weights, or are you guys just getting in the groove of things? Uh, we really can't coach, really can't coach. There's no real practices, but it's a lot of, you know, after school workouts, lifts, you know, kind of on our own and, you know, with each other can build a chemistry. Sure, sure. Trying to get everybody together. So at, at the Pangos Festival, you kind of talked about the competition there and being locked in because their groups were small. Many of the teams only had seven or eight players. Tell us a little bit more of that and how it helped elevate you and your teammates game. Uh, talk us a little bit more about that, what it, what what that meant and what that did for you guys. Uh, it was really good, you know, just being able to bring, like, less amount of people, and it was treated like a game-like scenario. It was sure. not many subs. You know, everybody was able to kind of get a lot of minutes, being able to play a lot, not really worried about coming in and coming out because everybody's playing. It's sure. a good number of people, maybe like eight, nine. Everybody's playing, getting being able to get in the groove, and just having fun and competing. That was really big. Yeah, Jeremy, uh, you know, your team was was real talented, was really loaded. And uh, you, you came out to end the summer on a winning note. Tell tell me how important that was for you to come out and to end the summer on a winning note. Your team win the whole thing. And, you know, after you came back from USA Basketball, we all won goal. Uh, it was big. Just showing, like, winning is a big part of me, just something I care about that's really the main goal is no matter how or what I got to do to get the win, that's the type of person I am going to get the win. But just ending on a winning note is just great. Because you feel like a, a winner. You won a lot. You yeah. won the big things. Being able to win the Midwest versus South, East. You know, just kind of some bragging rights to show, you know, the Midwest is the best. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, who impressed you on your team that you never really got to play with? Uh, you never played with much before? Definitely Flory, because that was my first time ever seeing him play actually live. Wow. He ended up playing like our indie Heat team before, but I never seen him play live. So that was really big to see him play live and for him to be able to do what he did. He's a monster. 
Yeah, no, he is. He's blown up this summer. Like my first time seeing him in June, I was like, man, who is this kid? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was just like, who, who in the hell is this kid? But he, no, he's he's a he's a beast. Uh, who who on the other teams on the like this impressed you that you never really got to see before? Definitely Brooklyn Hicks. I remember playing him. He was on my team, but I also remember playing him versus he played with Seattle Rotary. But I really yeah. didn't mind him. But being able to see him play on my team and see what he can do, he's nice. And also Gregory Norman. Yeah. The, uh, he going to Michigan State with me. That's my two guard. But yeah. I that was my first time actually seeing him being able to play live. Sneaky, athletic, defend, can shoot the ball. He does it all. I can't wait to play with him next year. Uh, yeah, nah, yeah. Garrick, uh, he's from uh, Dallas, where, where, where I'm based at. And, yeah, he's a bucket. <laughs> uh, he does everything. Yeah, like he said, sneaky, athletic. He'll, he'll put it, he'll dunk on your head quick. Oh, you, you wouldn't expect it either. You just see him go up and you're like, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's awesome, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, I know you, you, you're you getting your Michigan State guys together and you like to see them do do well. Um, you know, Flory, did you did you think that he can get off the floor that quick and defend and like block he's blocking dudes jumpers? Like, did you think he can move that one when you first saw him warming up, or did he just like, whoa, this guy turned it on, bro? And he's in the game, it's like he's just like you said, a monster. Uh I end up I seen some highlights because you know he's right in the yeah. Indianapolis area, so it's not too far. But I did see some highlights of him, but seeing that highlights and in live is is two different everything, it's just totally yeah. different. But he runs the floor. He plays hard every possession. He's just a monster, he, yeah. you know. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, let's switch gears a minute. Talk about uh, USA basketball. You 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 mentioned, you know, you have a lot of experience in that. And you mentioned that uh, it was 16U with FIBA America is a great experience, and and you guys came back and won the 17U World Cup. What, what was the main difference between those squads, or maybe what was the main difference between any uh, either competitive level or anything different about the actual game? Uh, and the tournament between the two? I'll definitely say 16U Americans was good. We also were really young, and yeah. you can kind of get away with things that you couldn't get away with, well, I'll say, 17U World Cup. And 16, it was good competition, but mainly like the Final Four championship game. And the 17U World Cup, everything was good. So gotcha. if you didn't come and you didn't play your best, it was a chance that you could lose. 16, yeah. it was you can kind of breeze through and, you know, walk through and get a win. 17, you had to play and be locked in the whole game, no matter who you were playing. Right. Makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, what did you like most about Mexico and Spain? You know, uh, anything you that's memorable? And, and how did and what did those experiences teach you that's going to help you going forward with your game? Spain was, was good, but it was kind of bad at the same time, also because it was during COVID. So you okay. really didn't, get to, you know, visit or see a lot of things. But in Spain, we were definitely in. Magala, I believe yeah. we're in Magala, and we got to visit. We had a pool, a beach right outside the back. Wow, it was cool. It was like a resort. It was a great hotel. We got to walk, you know, kind of like the streets of Spain a little bit. You know, sure. meet people, meet, talk to other teams. It was just a great experience that was also on and off the basketball court. Great, great. And then what? What did you learn on the court? You know, how are those experiences going to help you going forward on the court? Oh, definitely. You know, I came off the bench, but I was kind of like one of the energy players off the bench. So just sure. being able to play, it's a difference from starting the game and coming off the bench, just being able to adjust and, you know, bring the energy no matter what's happening, what's going on. Yeah. 
Um, makes a lot of sense. Um, let's switch gears a little bit, go to uh, school, the Scholastic. You know, after your sophomore year, you went to La Lemire. Uh, just talk about, you know, playing, you know, away from home. What was that experience like? What was that adjustment like? Uh, playing away from home, definitely my sophomore year and my junior year, just playing in NIBC, was, it was crazy. Just because the competition, you know, you playing future pros. Some of the players I played my sophomore year are now currently in, in the NBA. But just being able to play that competition and there's so much bigger, stronger, you know, different level, high level players, that's sure. just good for my development and where I need to go. Yeah, you talk about like the NIBC and how it helped grow your game. What aspect, like for the viewers, like what parts of your game really grew up, you know, playing it in NIBC? I definitely say every part of my game, you know, shooting, defending, playmaking. It's just all growing because, you know, so much I can learn every aspect, such as all around. It's just learn from different players and different teams. Because, you know, some teams got McDonald's All-Americans, one through five, one through three. So I can just take parts from everybody game. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it's the size and, and everybody's talent level. Uh, when you decided to come back home to Jolie West to play with your young bro, uh, Jeremiah, you know, you made that decision. Was that really the the main reason, the only reason, or was there other reasons that, that you wanted to get back home? I know that was definitely one of the main reasons, but also, you know, I've been away from my family for two years. And, you know, just to enjoy my senior year and trying to win a state championship. Also, that was one of the main reasons. And, you know, just to be home, being able to, I think, develop my game and be around the people that I love and think that can help me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, it's going to be a little different atmosphere and it's going to be lit atmosphere. You guys going to have a lot of fun playing with your brother. But besides that, uh, you know, what are some of your other goals? And what aspect of the game do you really want to improve on? Uh, definitely, you know, shooting, most importantly, off the dribble shots, um, defending, playmaking, athleticism, just all around. And some, some of my goals definitely is to try to win Gatorade Player of the Year, Mr. Basketball, uh, and definitely win a state championship. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, the senior year, you know, now you pulled the trigger on going to Michigan State, right? Uh, talk about just, you know, going on your official visits, just the relationship you build with coaches. So what, what gave you the confidence to uh, choose uh, Michigan State? Uh, just the way, you know, he communicates. His communication is key. He shows that, like, it's a family atmosphere, family culture. He just always wants everything to be together. And he calls. He talks to me a lot. I, we text. I talk to him a lot. Mm -hmm. Just already building a bond, a relationship that – that's somebody I can trust going into next year and some place I can call home. Your boy, Xavier Booker, he couldn't make the festival, but, uh, you know, he's someone that, uh, you know, just talk about you know, relationship, him tend to be going there, you know, just talk about all that. Oh, it was definitely big. You know, once I was the first commit and, you know, I talked to the coaches a lot, Coach Wilson, Coach Montgomery, you know, they called me and it was like, we really want this kid Booker. So, you know, they also recruiting him, but, it's like, if I can help, I'm going to try to help. So I started reaching out sure. to him, calling him, you know, get, been, getting really close with him to try to build a bond just in case if he did come to Michigan State, which he did, you know, we can already kind of have some chemistry and a bond. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was – I know that was – that's a big thing. Like, y'all really make that class really, really strong, Michigan State. Uh, where stylistically, you know, do you feel like you can just bring to the table year one? You said, what do I feel that I can bring to the table year one? Uh-huh. Uh, definitely playmaking, leading, 
defense, shot making ability, uh, running the team, just being an energy player when the energy is down, confidence, you know, just helping everybody, whether it's whether I'm on or off the court, just helping. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense because you guys have guys at every position. And, and you guys can build that chemistry and you you want to be a leader. So let's talk about that a little bit. You you got your brother, you know, obviously you're going to lead the team as, as a senior. And what does your brother bring to the table? Speaking of Joliet West, you know, what, what does he bring? You know, how good can you guys be? I know you want to win state and you got some individual goals, but how good can you guys be as a team? I definitely think we're top, top three in the state. Uh, you know, Jeremiah, he's growing. He's six. Six one, almost six two. He can shoot from NBA range, play make, pass. He does everything. He's getting athletic. But right now, I really want to help him, you know, because I know and I played on a national level. Just help him and teach him certain things that I know and take from my game that can help into him. But he's definitely a top 25 player in the country. But, you know, soon people will know he kind of played independent, but he also played 17U. So – Next year, I think he's gonna have a really big year. Yeah, that makes a lot, a lot of sense and good. And hopefully, he does after you guys have your high school season. I know you want to finish strong and and have a good season there. Now, you talked a little bit about you know leadership and 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 recruiting Xavier a bit, helping the coaching staff out at Michigan State. But you also kind of describe yourself as kind of quiet. You don't mind being alone, maybe chilling on your own. I saw you chilling on your own a little bit at the end of the festival. But, you know, when you think about that, you know, now that NIL has been introduced, have you thought about any plans to, to grow your brand and maybe what kind of skill set do you think you have or make people want to uh, invest in you or want to do business with you? Have you thought about that at all? Uh, not really. A little bit. But I'm kind of I'm also kind of a people person. Sure. It's just, you know, I rather like I, I like my alone time sometimes. So I really don't it don't mind if I talking to people or if I'm sure. doing my own thing. But I definitely enjoy company, enjoy people. Sure, sure. So you, yeah, you, you just, you just got to have your own time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so besides your skill development, your schoolwork, uh, you know, what other some of the things you're looking forward to learning about in college and then maybe it could help your financial situation too? You know, what, what, what do you see out there that you might on a personal level enjoy or that you may want to learn a little bit more about? Um, just getting really used to college. The yeah. college lifestyle, the college atmosphere, just everything will be so much different from high school. So just yeah. getting ready to take that step into the next chapter, next, you know, next level. That's yeah. really going to be big. Just being able to handle myself as a, you know, a pro, which the college players are, a professional. So just being more mature and getting ready to lock in and be, being able to focus and doing what I need to do no matter what. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'm sure the coaching staff loves that attitude that you want to be locked in, ready for the team, and not worried about chasing, you know, chasing Instagram, uh, you know, uh, NIL and things things like that. So I, I know that's an attitude you want to bring, and I know Michigan State has that attitude. So we appreciate you jumping on on the In the Paint show. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in your senior year. I know you want to, like you said, win those individual awards, and I'm sure Jeremiah is going to have a big season too, and I hope maybe one day he can jump on as well. For sure. Thank you for having me. Okay. I appreciate you, man. See you. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Take care. Wow. Um, Jeremy said a lot of great things. Um, just kind of to piggyback off of what we talked about previously, man, the opportunities for these kids are like absolutely tremendous. You know, he talked about playing USA basketball, going to Spain. 
Um, he talked about how he came off the bench actually there. So, you know, I'm really yeah. just listening to the things that he's saying and just how well this kid just understands his role, um, how he has yeah. the ability to, you know, uh, go through adverse situations and still be successful. Um, I really liked when he said that, you know, what he's bringing to Michigan State is leadership. Like you don't really hear a lot of kids, you know, kind of hone in on that being what they can provide the most. Um, yeah. So just listening to him speak, obviously he's a point guard. I um, mean, he's a tremendous player. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be well equipped for anything that Tom Izzo throws his way. And I, I just see him being able to come into college and just kind of hit the ground running based off of, you know, where his mindset is at and the things that he's been through already. Um, yeah. The leadership thing was my absolute favorite um, comment that he made. Uh, but just talking about Tom Izzo, just having a relationship with him and how that was important. You know, yeah. some kids, the most important thing to them is how much money I can get, you know, how high profile a school I'm going to and how I can get to the NBA. But but he's taking the progression as it comes and just, you know, kind of conquering what's in front of him. And, you know, going to Michigan State, he feels like he's going to bring his leadership. He's going to develop as a player. Um, he's going to be in a family environment, which is going to allow him to be most successful. And I, I just really appreciate that. You know, um, I haven't got a chance to really see this kid, but. I'm definitely going to pay more attention now, him being a point guard. Um, and just, I really liked a lot of the things that he said, and um, I just wish him the best of luck. Yeah, that 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 couple things definitely caught my eye because I was trying to get him to open up a little bit, to joke and maybe be like, hey, you know, what are you going to do for your NIL? Are you going to grow your brand? How's your Instagram? And he was like, no, I, I'm concentrating on this year. I'm going to go in there, like you said, provide leadership, try to get the team together. I'm, I'm close to Xavier. I'm glad, uh, you know, Gary is joining us, you know, for, as a wing. So he right. wants to lead the group. And like you said, his mindset is not distracted. Because like I said earlier before mm -hmm. the interview, I'm glad that Jeremy got to jump on because he's in school and we had to get him pre-recorded. And I appreciate him taking the time out was that like some of the guys are so distracted by what's going off off the court. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's easy to get distracted. We kind of mentioned that. We've talked about NIL before. We've talked about the distractions. Like, he seems pretty locked in. Uh, you know, what do you think, Ani? Do you think, like, that, you know, what did you take when talking to him? And like I said, like like Chuck said, it seems like a, he's a quiet leader, but he does let a lot of his play do the talking, and, and still he gets his point across even though he's kind of quiet. Yeah, no. Uh, some intel I was getting about him, just seeing him play, was that he just he just about basketball. You know, he's just yeah. about ball. He's not worried about the other stuff. And uh, you can see, like, he, he leads by his play, but if he does see something, he will say something. You know, he knows how to still communicate with his guys and lead. Yeah. Uh, but just all, always heard he's just about basketball. You know, the other stuff, it just will come, but he's just about ball. So, you know, just to hear him say those things, you know, now just to, you know, just to hear him just talk and say some of these stuff, I'm like, okay, yeah, this this matches what I've been hearing, you know, what yeah. I've been saying. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah, he was definitely kind of a little quiet, but I mean, he was he was pretty fiery and confident on the court. Like I said, they had a good team. And like with Flory, he said it too. like it's the same thing our guy Travis said a, a couple episodes ago. Like when you see Flory, you're like, oh, my God, like, yeah, he's that good. <laughs> so Travis kind of had that reaction. And, and I think Jeremy did, too. Like, man, seeing him in person is really good. So they were the favorites and they did. They did win. Like I said, the South came in second place. They lost in the championship game. Third place went to the West team, and then the East team, uh, you know, went 0-2. And the East team, it's funny, is you you got um, in the first one with, with Jabari and Ty Ty, that was the South. 
and then Jackson Kohler uh, led the West to the second mm-hmm. one. He had a monster 53-point game, 21 points. That was a great – he's going to Michigan State, so he might be there with Jeremy and those guys next year. And then the Midwest won this one. So hopefully the East gets off the snide next year. The East is the only team that hasn't won yet. So maybe they're going to have a little bit more fire. But I'll just run down the, you know, the the all-tournament team and some of the guys I thought were, were good who weren't all-tournament. It was a 10-man all-tournament team. Uh, Flory, uh, co-MVP with Jeremy Fears. I think our guy, Gary Duwall, was right there. He could have been in the running. He did really well. Drew Felder, who I think is the player that helped himself the most from a national perspective. He also plays for Julius V, Southern California lead. I thought he was good, Ani, where I've seen him before. So it wasn't that surprising. But, like, some people, he turned turn, uh, turn heads with them as far as, like, his play. Uh, we'll go to the South, which was the second second place team. They had three guys make it. Jaden Hastings, a really good shot blocker. Uh, he did really well. Jaden is from IMG Academy. Sam Walters going to Alabama Village Schools in, in Florida, 6'8", 223. A lefty shooter. He did really well. He was on the all-tournament team. And then, of course, we mentioned Mercy Miller, now out in California, headed to the University of Houston, Ani, so I know you mm-hmm. like him. Uh, Mercy's 224, though. He's still got two more years of yeah. high school. And he's coming on, you know, people are like, oh, Mercy, some people are like, oh, Mercy's here because of Master P. Dinos is in Master P are kicking it out of their head. And then they're like, no, that's not true. Like, Mercy just putting it in the hole. Like, again, he averaged 31.5 points in the two games. I guess he had 32 and 31. So he's deserving on the all-tournament team. The West had two selections in third place, Mookie Cook who has played LeBron in a movie. I think that's what a lot of people know him for so far. But he's a really good player, and he had a really good showing. I, I like what, 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 what Mookie was able to do for the West team out of Arizona Compass. He's going to Oregon. And the other pick was True Washington, Ty Ty's uncle. Yeah. And mm. True's a left-hand downhill player, can score, uh, takes no prisoners. He's, he's not really into making a lot of friends. He's not into. He get after uh, it. Yeah, he's gonna get after it. That's his his <laughs> thing. And then rounding out the all tournament team with the East had one selection was Tyler Johnson from St. Benedict's Prep in in New Jersey. Uh, slasher type of player, he's a good playmaker. He did a lot of good things. Uh, I was impressed by him. A couple guys who I would have in that mix who were right there. I thought could have, you know, obviously there's only 35 guys, so we just went 10 guys on the all-tournament team. I think Jalil Bathia is the guy everybody was like, wow, he's really good. 224 from Archbishop Wood. Uh, did really well, athletic. A point guard who can do a lot of good things. And Dylan Harper on the East. Again, the East yeah. went 0-2, so Dylan's from St. John, uh, Don Bosco Prep in Ramsey, New Jersey, 6'5". He's another 224. So I thought those guys, that's 224 guys were two guys um, that I thought did really well. And Wesley Yates, Yanni, he he had um, one good game and one game that he didn't, yeah. didn't play as well. So he was right there. But I think those are about the 13 or 14 guys that were that were really good. And and uh, like I said, they, they, a couple of those guys, because Ely made the all-tournament team, it's just that we went with 4-3-2-1 as far as um, picking the all-tournament and keeping it to 10. And Dylan Harper is uh, Ron's uh, youngest son, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's and 
obviously, uh, like you said, Don Bosco prep, 6'5". Uh, he's a rangy lefty. He, he, he knows the game. He's strong. He did really well. Um, obviously, that's almost all the guys, really. There's only 30-some guys. Right. Like Jeremy said, like – The name half. <laughs> yeah, we knew we were talking about half. And, like, uh, you know, it was really good because they got a lot of playing time. You know, they, they weren't really worried about, hey, five in, five out. There was none of that. It was like one guy sub in, you know, uh, try to win the game. And, and, and they were locked in. And, and it was no surprise that the, that the West won. Right. So it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a really good event. It's kind of a spinoff. Uh, Dinos was thinking about, like, Ani with the fresh soft camps that, uh, you know, hey, let's bring together the top ten guys from each of the four camps. And, and you know, then he was like, you know what, with COVID and everything, let's just do it with the top guys. And that's how he invited that first group uh, in Phoenix because he was thinking of doing it for the fresh soft camps. Then COVID hit. and he, But he liked the concept. I think the players like the concept. I, I, Jeremy mentioned it, like, with seven or eight guys, we can get to play more. It's worth our time. We play hard. We're trying to win. So overall, it was a good event. So, yeah, you know, uh, what else is going on, you guys? I, we're going to close up here. You know, this has been uh, pretty informative. You know, uh, Chelsea, you got practice, got some things coming up. Ani, what's next on your plate? So, out there. Uh, just fall league stuff, you know, out sure. here. Um, just go to some fall league tournaments. Then uh, Border League comes up in October. Get yeah. on that, you know, tr do more traveling, especially when October hits. But a lot of fall league stuff. Go to sure. uh, college practices. I'm going to make my rounds. Uh, this yeah. month, go to University of Houston, um, go to Auburn, go to Texas, you know, just hit more just college practices. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like a just bunch of fall these college practices and get ready for like the October stuff when they start doing like tournaments, like preseason tournaments, they get a little bit more intense before the season starts. No doubt. How about you? Uh, for me, I, I appreciate all the people. Uh, listening in and, and I appreciate the coaches hitting me up. I'm, I'm getting the fab 50 together. We're going to have a fab 50 show. Don't hold me to it, but I think it's going to be November 3rd. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have it live kind of like we did the draft show. We'll bring some guests on hopefully a couple a player, definitely a couple coaches and maybe even some past guys whose teams were awesome. That were either the champions or, or highly ranked Hear What they have to say now that the perspective of them being out of high school, you know, they've been out of high school for a while. So we're going to do that. So mark your calendars. Should be November 3rd. Again, we're, I, we got a bill to there. Ani, I, I, I can't really even get started. I want the guys are still transferring all over the place. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Musical you chairs. Music, yeah, musical the chairs. transfer thing just worse. Before, back in the days, it was like, okay, who's going to Oak Hill? That's all I had to worry about. Who's going to Oak Hill and maybe another school? And I, I could put, start piecing it together. No, that's not the case no more. No. Nope. Yeah, the guys are just all over. Uh, and so, Chelsea, this is a four-week deal. And then are you going to come back to the States and then, you know, you're going to go to Israel for, for year 10. Is that how that's going to work? Yes. So 30 days here, I'm staying in a really nice hotel, like off the beach, like on the yeah. waters. So it's like a little, you know, a little warm up for me, a little mini bag before I get to the real season. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I'm going to come home for like four or five days. Then I'm off to Israel for seven months. So I'll be on the move, but, you know, I'll bring my mic and my computer with me. So I'll be tapped in with you guys. And um, yeah, I'm excited, man. Year 10. Um, I think this might be the end. So hopefully I can go out with a bang and see yeah. what happens. I told her on, I'm going to start a, a campaign to do one more year campaign. You're 11. We want, we want to get year 11. <laughs> I have a sign. I'm going to have a sign. He showed just like one more year. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah, you see her on it. She's like five star hotel, just a warm up, no problem. We awesome. we got this. So yeah, no, yeah, you know, getting the needs together. So I'm enjoying myself. I I didn't have a vacation all summer, really. So I'm obviously I'm gonna get to it on the court, but I'm gonna be on the beach tomorrow too after practice. So yeah, you know how it goes. Great, great. So I think on that note, we're gonna wrap up here, episode one forty. Appreciate all the listeners. We're not gonna mention the other pods right now. We don't have the time, and we want to get them to do a little bit more. We're <laughs> We're, we're kind of out here doing as many as we can. We're at episode 140 again. We appreciate Jeremy Fears jumping on. He, he came to California and got back and got it back into school. So we really appreciate his time. But I think for now, for Ani and Chelsea, we're going to get out of here. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye.